this moment, what I want to try to do for a few minutes here is try to encourage you from a, from a passage of scripture. This is actually what I was going to preach this morning. Um, I was prepared to preach it, but uh, I'll give you the, uh, we'll call it the devotional version of that uh, this morning. Um, I'll, I'll try to try to keep it less than an hour. How's that? And uh, But no, seriously, we'll, we'll try to give you something encouraging from God's word. This will be in Romans chapter 8, and we'll look at verses 31 through 39, or at least as much of that as we can. <clears throat> And I think to start that off, I'd, I would just ask you to, to think about this question. You know, how, how are things going for you? Um, and, and how you answer that, if I were to literally look at you in the eyes and say, how are things going? And how you actually answer, assuming you're being honest with me, um, has, has everything to do with how you're dealing with the inevitable difficulties of life. Uh, the, the reality is we're all dealing with some kind of difficulty. I mean, this is, I'd like to think that everything's going beautifully for somebody, but frankly, we're in this human condition and things are, things are tough. Uh, maybe I'm just pessimistic. <laughs> I'll, I'll grant you that. Uh, but I have unfortunately learned a little bit uh, too quickly uh, that life is just hard sometimes. And even to the best of times, there's going to be difficulties that come from sin. So those self-inflicted wounds, things that are my fault, um, sometimes it comes from suffering. Um, other people have hurt me, abused me, rejected me, or it might even be the suffering in our physical bodies, the physical pain that we deal with, or just weakness. Sickness might sap your strength. Um, uh, just the waves of life can crash against you and, and, and really kind of wreck your ability to hold it all together. Um, and I think that's exactly what Paul is, or in part at least, what Paul's writing about here in Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8, the whole chapter. It's such an encouraging passage uh, for, for us um, as believers uh, to really go back to. I go back to it often just to remind myself of what I have in Jesus Christ. I encourage you to do the same. But um, he, he's reminding, especially in this part of the passage, verses 31 to 39, he's reminding us that God is powerful. Uh, he is powerful enough to overcome these kinds of difficulties that we have to all deal with. Not only can he conquer and does he conquer sin, not only does he conquer sin, not only does he uh, conquer our sufferings, not only does he conquer our, um, our uh, weaknesses, our God, he can overcome all of those things and make us more than conquerors, he says there in, uh, in the later part of this passage through Jesus Christ. So my encouragement to you today is this, and, and I just want to take a minute to kind of develop this over the next few minutes, that our God is so powerful. He is so loving, so victorious, and so able. So why don't we run to him for what's plaguing us, our sins, our sufferings, our weaknesses? Uh, look with me in verse 31. He says, and this is Romans 8, 31, where he says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I think a lot of people are racked with guilt because of things they've done wrong. And, and maybe rightly so. What you did could have been just absolutely devastating. It could have been something that you should have um, uh, should have avoided. But nonetheless, we're racked with those things. And we're, we're, we're upset and we're carrying those weights around. But I want you to, for just a moment with your sin, I want you to consider who you've harmed. Not just the people around you or even yourself. But that sin that you committed, it is an affront to a righteous and holy God. But here's the key, and this passage really, this, this chapter 8 really gives us this. That God, who is above all, he's forgiven you. If you were to go to verse 1 of your Romans 8, you can see this. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. 
Jesus died on the cross and God is not holding that sin against you. In fact, over in Romans chapter six, he says that sin doesn't have power over you if you're a Christian. In verse 13 of chapter eight, he says that if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. He is saying that sin will kill us. Wages of sin is death. You know this passage from Romans chapter six. The wages of sin is death. It does kill us. But as a Christian, because we have the Holy Spirit, we have life and sin can't kill us. Your sin has been paid for. In fact, go back to our passage here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 32 says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God forgives your sins. He, Jesus has paid for your sins. In fact, in verse 33, he says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. God, the Father, has made things right. And it's kind of interesting when you really think about this. You've got Jesus dying on the cross. The Father is the one who's made this plan, and he's making things right. The Holy Spirit, we just read in verse 13 of chapter 8, he's living in us, and he is killing that sin, giving us life through Jesus. It is all together. We have the whole Trinity working on our behalf to forgive us our sins. All that is to simply say God is so powerful that he saved us, he loves us, and he keeps us in spite of this sin, which naturally would destroy us. Thank you, Jesus. We should run to him. I told this story on Wednesday night, so some of you have probably heard it, but let me just briefly give you this, this story to, to kind of illustrate the point I'm trying to get across here. I, uh, a couple of years, it's been several years ago now, I had a little uh, Chevrolet Aveo. Um, that I really liked. My son wrecked it, so I don't have it anymore. Uh, but long story short, I love that car. And then one day it, it had a problem, as you know, cars often do. And it, it needed, the, the guy at the, the uh, garage told me, he said, it needs a new catalytic converter. Of course, that was not a cheap fix. Um, and I got to looking into it and I thought, I think I can fix this. Now, one of the things you guys may not know about me is I can't fix this. I'm not a mechanically minded. Uh, my, my hands don't work that way. My brain doesn't work that way. My son, Eli, great mechanic, knows what he's doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, the best I can offer is a little bit of YouTube, Google, Google and YouTube trying to find this stuff out. And even then, but nonetheless, I ordered the part, got the thing, fixed it. I got the, got the part off of the car, um, had it in my garage, had it jacked up and everything, had the, the catalytic converter off of the car put it, put the new piece on the car, crank that thing up, and it sounded just like it was some kind of race car down at the drag strip where, you know, those, those drag, drag racers are, and just, it just sounded horrible. Called my father-in-law, said, what in the world did I do wrong? And he said, well, did you have a little gasket that goes in there? And I said, well, uh, yeah, you mean this little thing, <laughs> which was not in the, the piece, it was in my hand. I uh, said, well, you, you need that in there. That's where all that sounds, all that's getting out of there. So I said, oh, no problem. I got the other one off. I can get this one off. The problem was I had cross-threaded the, the screws, the bolts that, uh, that held, it to the, held it to the car, uh, to the motor, and could not, for the life of me, get that thing off. I spent, I mean, it was at least a week or so, probably longer than that. It was a long time trying things, dangerous things, things that couldn't, wouldn't work, but I just was too prideful to take that vehicle back to the, the, the mechanic to ask him to fix the mess that I had made. 
ultimately, I'll just tell you, the end of the story was after my wife got home, my case said, Matthew, just take it to the guy. He'll fix it. It won't be that big of a deal. I did it. And you know what? The minute I pulled it into the place after, you know, riding for about two miles with it just roaring in my ears. Um, after I pulled it in there, I mean, they had it, I don't know, a couple hours, whatever, fixed it, no problem. You know, obviously, I paid the guy. But at the end of the day, I took it to somebody who could. And I think that's what we, I know that's what we've got to do with our sin. My sin is a beyond my ability. We think we can handle it, but we can't. But Christ has conquered it, and we don't need to wallow in it anymore. We need to run to him. So when we have our sin that's weighing us down, instead of trying to handle it and deal with it ourselves, we need to take it to Christ. Go down to verse 35, Romans chapter 8, verse 35. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he gives a long list of things that are, that are problems, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. And he says, you know, these are, these are things, these are difficulties that come from the outside. And some of my some of my problems are my problems, my sin, my, my own self-afflicted wounds. But sometimes my problems and yours too come from outside of me. Uh, people coming after me, as he says there, tribulations and sword and famine and nakedness, things that are beyond my control. But he says there in that verse, go back to verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he says, can any of these outside forces separate us from the love of Christ? And he says in verse 37, nay, no, they cannot. You might suffer. That's what he talks about in verse 36, the verse I skipped over. And some of these things that are going on, he says, you may have to suffer because of your connection to Christ, because you're connected to Christ, because you're in this world. There may be some suffering, but for you as a Christian, that suffering does not separate you from God's love. He still loves you. And more to the point, your suffering is never wasted. You are actually being sanctified, made into the image of God. You are going to be glorified. In fact, in verse 18, he says that this, that this, that this, uh, this suffering is going to reveal his glory in us. But what I can do, because he says in verse 37, in all of these things, no matter what comes my way as a believer in Jesus, I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I can endure difficulties and I and we will face them they will be things we can't control things that are not my fault things that other people did to me I can endure those things I can overcome those things I'm a conqueror of those things because not because I am able but because he loves me so much so suffering it can be painful and it is painful but I promise you by the authority of God's word it is temporary and it is for a purpose that God has planned and my encouragement to you is if that's the kind of difficulty you're facing, maybe it's not self-inflicted, maybe it's others that are coming after you because of this, run to Christ. It's his eternal love that's going to sustain you through that suffering. Now go to verse 38, he says. He says, now I am persuaded that neither life, death, and then he goes on to list off this whole long thing, life, death, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth or any other creature shall separate us from the love of Christ. He, he's saying, listen, nothing in this world that you can even imagine, nothing you can imagine will separate you from Christ's love. He loves you that much. Nothing physical can separate you. He talks about other creatures. He talks about height and depth. He talks about life and death. I mean, nothing in this life can separate you. And even spiritual attacks can't separate you. And, and, and no matter how, 
no matter how far you feel from God, and I want to go ahead and just confess to you, there are many times that I feel very far from God. But even though we may feel far from God, God is not far from us. He is with us. His love does ne never leaves us. He never leaves us. And of course, as he is with us, his love is with us. And even though we are weak, and I'm going to just tell you, sometimes it's not my sin. Sometimes it's not my circumstances. Sometimes it's just this weak old flesh, this mind, this heart of mine that I just, I just like give out. I got nothing left. But even in those circumstances, nothing, the most weakest of weak things, he says there that not even death can separate me from the love. It doesn't get any weaker than death. I mean, if you're alive, you can at least kind of grunt or roll over or something. You can move. But if you're dead, you got nothing. Even that, he says, that weakness does not separate you. But don't miss verse 37. Go back to that verse again. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are overcomers, yes, so that we're conquerors, but I want to emphasize just for a moment is that idea of more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. The best way I can explain this to you, and this is going to fail, the words will fail me, but I want to, I hope I give you a picture of this, that the victory that we have in Jesus is that much sweeter because of our weakness. In other words, apart from Jesus, there's no hope that we would ever win. So it's almost a foregone conclusion that we're going to lose, that we are going to, to suffer, and that we're going to hurt, that because we are so weak, but when Christ comes in the picture, he takes what wasn't to become something that was, take what take a path that where there was no way he makes a way. He creates something, and that makes us not just victors. Yes, we're victors. But we are more than victors. The way that uh, Christ talks to, to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is this. He says to Paul, he says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, let me give you one story to try to illustrate this a little bit more. This is one of those thoughts that's kind of in my bones, and I'm trying to get it across to you. I, I, I'm not much of an athlete. Uh, I think some of you know I do try to run. I enjoy running. But... That's something you can do. I don't care. You don't have to do it fast. As long as you're not trying to do it fast, you can do But I've never been an athlete. I played uh, basketball and soccer when I was in high school, but I went to a little Christian school where uh, pretty much you were drafted on the team. It's not like I had to try out or anything. So I'm no athlete. Uh, but I did get to play soccer. And I remember uh, the main thing, because I'm, sort of, uh, I'm sort of a bigger guy when I was in high school. I was kind of a big, big boy. And uh, when I was playing soccer, soccer is kind of a finesse sport. But um, they put me out as the bruiser. I'd go out there and I'd, I'd hit them hard and you know knock them down. That was kind of my that was kind of my forte. I know it's not football, but I played it like I was, like it was football. But my uh, but there was a there was a one of my teammates, a, a, a man named Dave. Or he's a man now. He's a boy at the time. Uh, Dave, David. He happens to now be my brother-in-law. He's my my wife's uh, brother, and uh, he was incredible when it came to soccer. But I remember my my forte was I was on the defensive side. So anytime that ball came anywhere near that that on the other side of the field and I got close to it, I would boot the snot out of that thing. And I would just kick it so hard and so hard. And one of the times, one time, this one time it happened, and it was the most beautiful thing ever. And just realize I'm I'm not, I have there's no purposefulness on my part. I'm just like just creaming that ball as best I can. 
I got a hold of that ball and kicked it. It hit just nice and low, right, just right up the ground. And David, like I said, he was a really good uh, soccer player. And he was right on the other side of that, just just right in front of the goal. Hit hit him just right in the right up, just right below his knee. Knocked that ball, hit it down. He was able to turn and score from that. And I just felt, I mean, I even now thinking about it, it's like, whoa, yeah, we won. There was a sweetness in that because he was he was awesome. I was just like, uh, I'm there. But I got to be part of that, and it felt incredible. And what I want you to see with all that is that our weakness provides Christ that opportunity to be and to show exactly how powerful he is. He is so powerful. He is so much bigger than anything we can imagine. And he shows that through us and in us, in spite of our weakness. You may be sitting there listening to me and you say, well, Matthew, my body is just not able to do anything. Christ will strengthen you. You may say, well, Matthew, my, my, my bank account will only go so far, and it's actually kind of stretching to get that far. Jesus will provide your needs. You may say, well, I'm just not a smart person. Christ gives wisdom. All I'm trying to get you to see is that when you have those moments of weakness, run to Jesus. He is, has the strength. As we're looking ahead, and this is really part of that, that series of trying to plan and think ahead about this coming year. Uh, we don't know how things are going to turn out. Nobody does. But I can promise you that you're going to struggle with sin. I can promise you you're going to face some suffering from the circumstances or some other people around you. You're going to experience some weakness in your soul and in your body. The question is not, are you going to face it? It's how are you going to handle it? Will you crumble? Or are you going to actually enjoy victory over that sin, over that suffering, over that weakness, not because you're so strong. If you were listening to us last Sunday, you were hearing how David is our savior, is like our savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one that defeats the giant. I can't. But if I will run to my hero, I will run to my champion. He will have the power. He will have the love and he will overcome. And I need to run to him for that victory. That's the lesson this morning. I hope it's an encouragement to you. As I think about it, it's encouragement to me. I need someone bigger than me, stronger than me, smarter than me, more powerful than me, more able than me, more reliable than me. And we have him in Jesus Christ.